good morning, everybody. Wow, that really sounds weird, the mic when you're standing up here. It like echoes kind of back at you, that's funny. Um, in case you didn't catch it, my name's Jeremy. Um, I'm really excited that um, I get to share this morning. And kind of like Lauren said, it's been a while since I preached in English. So if I take advantage of the linguistic freedom that I have once again and just start going for it, um, just bear with me. We'll get back on track at some point. Um, but yeah, as I've been preparing this week, I think overall I've just been encouraged, um, encouraged by this passage. It kind of seems, I don't know, it's just two little stories, I guess. Um, but yeah, my heart's just been encouraged. And so I hope that as we go through this morning that that's the overall feel um, of this morning, is that our hearts are encouraged, our souls um, find rest in God as our Father. Um, yeah, so why don't, we, why don't we dive in? Prayer is interesting because it's an interesting topic because I think it uniquely um, reflects what's going on in our hearts. Um, you know, Jesus talks at different times about how uh, you know, our faith without works is or our own country, right? You're, you're probably going to hurt a lot of people on through our prayer. And what are the things that we pray about? How do we pray? How much do we pray? Um, I think prayer uniquely reflects really deeply what our priorities are um, and, yeah, just where we actually put our faith. Because prayer in a unique way is so much coming to God um, in order to express our reliance on him. And so whether or not we do that, I think very much reflects on um, kind of where our hearts are at there. And so this morning as we talk about prayer, um, why don't we just posture our hearts to allow the Holy Spirit to talk to us um, however he would like to however he would like to, whether it's convict or encourage, um, challenge, um, whatever way the Holy Spirit may want to speak to our hearts this morning. Why don't we um, posture our hearts towards that, that each other and protect each other. I think there could be a tendency to be like, oh man, I really should pray more and to just like get down on yourself. I know I can get down on myself so easy where I'm like, gee, talking about prayer like I'm not praying like this I'm not praying enough like I gotta buckle down and get to it um there's an aspect of that but um I think buckling down only kind of goes so far as well um yeah so why don't we just allow God where whatever um he wants to speak to our hearts this morning um why don't we just be open to that um and there's no point I don't think my maybe my other tendency rather than beat myself up, would be the opposite end of the spectrum. His sister, oh, man, I'm pretty good. Like, I pray all the time. Um, or maybe somewhere in the middle where I deep down know that I probably should be doing something more, um, but I just kind of want to gloss over that and feel good about myself, too. Um, there's really no point in, in faking your, what your heart is saying. Um, one, because God already knows. He's not fooled by whatever... Uh, whatever you're faking it. And two, it's kind of, 
Um, we just don't need to. Um, we're not perfect. Um, why, why do we pretend to be? I think that only stunts our growth when we uh, fool ourselves into saying that we're better than we are. So whatever the case may be, whatever, whatever kind of comes on your heart this morning as we talk about prayer, why don't we just come at it with um, these soft hearts and we're willing to hear what the Holy Spirit has to say and just accept that and be okay with that. It's not about, oh, I'm doing this good or that good. Um, it, just, it just is what it is. God's going to meet you. Panted and said, God, I'm sorry. Like, I'm looking at this. So maybe I'll just pray one last time. I guess we're talking about prayer, so why don't we just keep praying? When in doubt, I might just break into prayer because um, if I can't think of the right words to say, that seems appropriate, especially on a day like today. Um, so why don't we pray one last time this morning? Father, thank you for um, the church. Thanks that we can come here. Thanks for your word. Um, would you speak to us through it this morning? Thank you that they are your words. Um, that you've given these to us so we know that you're speaking. Well, no one's here among us. So God, give us humility, um, just honesty, to be open to what you're going to say to us this morning. We don't need to fool ourselves. We don't need to try to fool you, God. You know exactly what our hearts are, where they're at. Um, thanks that you just meet us exactly where we're at. So would you speak to us this morning? Give us ears to hear. In Jesus' name we pray. So we are continuing um, through this series in Luke. That God made to his people to go, since there is no church uh, service last week. Two weeks ago, um, they went through the passage just before, the verses just before this morning's passage. Um, they're really connected. It's all one section where Jesus is responding to the request from his disciples where they say, Lord, teach us to pray. Um, and so Jesus does. The first four verses you looked at two weeks ago, um, where it's the Lord's Prayer, Jesus gives this kind of outline on um, what we should pray. And so he kind of gives these five, five uh, lines as to what we should pray. And then it's kind of the content, if you will. This is the what we're supposed to pray. He lists that off, boom, 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 boom. Here's the content of your prayers. And then this morning, this passage, I think, transitions a little bit. Jesus just continues talking on this topic of prayer. Um, but instead of the what we should pray, today I think we're going to look a little bit more at the, the how we should pray. Rather than just the content of the things that we should be praying for, we're, this morning he talks about kind of the context um, in which we're to come to prayer. And so it's a little bit of a shift um, as we get to look at how we should pray. What is the approach behind our prayers? Um, and I loved uh, a quote that I can't remember who it was who was preaching two weeks ago because I listened online. But um, he quoted Martin Luther King Jr. This quote on prayer where he says, to be a Christian without prayer 
is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. Um, and I hope that's kind of, yeah, that's what sinks in today as well, is that just for us to be Christians, um, prayer should be as natural as it is, uh, as breathing is for us. So, why don't we look at verses five through eight? This is the first part Jesus jumps in. So after giving the Lord's Prayer, he says to them, which of you has this friend who will go to them at midnight and say, um, friend, lend me three loaves, for a different friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he'll answer him from within, do not bother me, the door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. Um, this would be quite a, quite a normal scenario. I think Jesus often uses that for his little pictures or his little parables. It's very possible that someone could show up at your door unannounced those days. Um, sometimes they would actually prefer to do their travel between cities at night when it was out of like the hot sun. Um, so they'd rather do the traveling when it was a little bit cooler. Um, you can just imagine this guy showing up, up at your door. And there was... In that culture, such an intense, um, almost like need to host people if they showed up. It really is not an option for this guy, even though it's the middle of the night, to turn his friend away. Um, that would be, it's just not possible. Um, you know, it's not like him saying, I am so sorry. I got to find a way. So he runs over to his neighbor's door. You can imagine him like banging on the door. Um, their houses there as well. Um, he even mentions he's in bed with his kids. Um, their whole family would be sleeping just in the one room all together. Um, so you can imagine the, the ruckus it would cause, uh, banging on the door, trying to get out of bed. There's no hope of keeping your kids asleep. Um, I'm, I'm looking at the youngs. I'm like, man, I'm trying to think of like, I imagine if their family was all like, Maybe they're, maybe they're having fun. They're having a little sleepover in the living room or whatever, and someone's standing there dinging the doorbell. Like, These different things. It, it, we are still made in the image of God, but... ...up and getting away from there and keeping his kids uh, asleep and under control. <laughs> um, so you can understand why this friend, when he shows up at the door, is maybe not the most uh, excited to just willingly give whatever is needed. Um, but I love, how, I love how that's what it says here in verse 8. It's like, even though he's not going to get up and give him anything because he's his friend, um, because of his impudence. This word here in verse 8 is really key, impudence. Um, could also be translated persistence. Um, it often is written. Could even be, um, kind of has this connotation of like, uh, shamelessness. Um, this person is standing there on the door banging away without shame because he's like, he knows he's just got absolutely no other option than to wake up this whole family and ask them for food. Um, and I love how it says that, even though, not because he's his friend, um, but because of this guy's persistence and shamelessness in asking, this guy's going to give him what he needs. Um, and I know I would be the same. If there's some guy at 
half one, ringing my doorbell, like ding, 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 and I'm just like laying there. I'm, it's gonna reach a point pretty fast where I'm just gonna like run to the door and give this guy whatever he needs just to like get him out of there. Um, and so it's quite an interesting picture. Um, in parables, we need to notice um, Jesus often does this like comparing thing where he'll compare someone in the story to either to us or to God or to himself or whatever. So we need to put ourselves in the right perspective um, to understand who's getting compared to who. Um, in this first story, we're put into the perspective of the asker. Um, he says, which of you um, has the friend coming to you at midnight and then you need to go ask? So we're put in this perspective of being the one who needs to go ask for the loaves of bread from the neighbor. Um, and then he's not actually um, comparing God then to the guy giving the loaves of bread, but he's actually in this case contrasting himself to the guy who gets up um, and gives the bread. We see further down. Um, for himself, he's nasty to other people, he's dishonest. Um, he says, how much more will the Heavenly Father give? Um, and so this is actually the contrast we see in both of these stories, but we see first here um, at the beginning, where God's not comparing himself, and he's not saying he needs to be dragged out of bed um, and worn down by our persistent um, asking in order to give us something. But he's contrasting. He's basically he's setting the bar almost as low as you can. He's like, even by human standards, you can expect that if you bug somebody enough, you're going to get what you're, what you're asking for. Um, but then on the flip side, then he says, I don't have to be bothered. Mr. Waslan, who's the lion, to generously give to us. And so he really flips it, and it's really, really beautiful. I read this quote that says, God does not have to be waked or cajoled into giving us what we need. It's a good word, isn't it? Cajoled. I never heard that word, but it just sounds sweet. Um, God does not have to be waked or cajoled into giving us what we need. Many gifts he bestows even on the ungodly and the ungrateful. Isn't that interesting to think about, like, how much God actually provides even for those who, who don't thank him for it? Which could be us, but um, maybe it isn't. Uh, it hurt worse than anything I have felt. Blessings are reserved for those who will value them and who show their appreciation by asking until they receive. Um, I think often we think of like being shameless as, as like a bad thing that's like negative, like, man, you really are like unashamed, like, wow. Um, in this case, it's actually got a very positive spin to it where this shameless asking um, is really something that we should um, actually strive for. And I love how this, how he puts it, and he, how he puts it here with the appreciation, it, that we show our appreciation by asking until, we're, until we receive. It became perfectly delicious as soon as I... Think about that. I was like, how does that show like, that I appreciate something by like, constantly um, just asking and asking and asking? I don't think it's so much like, like nagging, um, but I can, I can remember like, when I was a kid, we used to... Um, at Christmas, before Christmas, we had, uh, I don't think you have this store here, it's called Sears, back in, uh, in Canada or America, it's actually out of business, I think, but 
um, they used to send out this like thick catalog every year before Christmas, the Sears Christmas catalog. And Sears sells like everything from like home stuff to toys and you know. When God washes us. And what, what we used to do is my mom would give us this Sears catalog and we'd get little stickers. I have two brothers and so we'd each get our own colored stickers. And we would just flip through the Sears catalog and we'd stick a little, our colored sticker by the gifts that we thought we might want. Um, so then they could look through and get ideas for what to get us for Christmas. And I think like, I would like flip through that catalog and just like everything in the catalog, I would just stick a sticker on it. Cause I'm like, wow, this is amazing. This is so cool. And I'd be out of stickers like two pages into the catalog and I'd be like, oh no. Now I'm like getting on to the end and I'm like, if I had seen this thing first, like maybe I would have saved my sticker for this one. Um, and that, that it's, in contrast to that, I can imagine like maybe I saw a toy in a store months ago um, and I asked for it because I saw it. You know, in that mindset as a little kid, you just you see something in front of you and you're like, yeah, I want it. Um, but in this case, maybe I see, the, I see the toy, I ask for it, my parents are like, no, that's okay. Um, but if I keep asking for it and then I keep asking for it and maybe we're back at home and I ask for it, and I ask for it like a couple weeks later, um, not even in like a bothering way to my parents, but don't they have a little more assurance now if I'm asking for this gift, and I'm remembering it, and I'm remembering to ask for months, then maybe when Christmas rolls around, they're like, they're not looking for ideas, but they're like, Jeremy's asked for this thing for four months straight, so they can be pretty sure that if they get me that gift, I'm gonna appreciate it because I've been asking for it over time. And so I think that's the idea here, is that the things we ask for over time really do show that we appreciate or we value um, what that gift is. So I think that's exactly how it can be with prayer, is that um, as we persistently keep asking and keep praying, that really sheds light on our hearts that, oh, this is something that I value, that I really um, desire, and that I'm gonna appreciate if God does give it to me. And so it's not a bad shamelessness um, to ask. It's good that we can just come to God um, without reservation and say, God, this is, what, this is what I'm asking you for. This is what I'm asking for. And we just persist in that. Like the guy at the door, um, we can just keep knocking keep knocking, um, and that's really, really cool. I think this is also, um, it really can be a challenge for us as well, though, because um, what we do pray for or what we don't pray for, um, I think, speaks volumes about what our real priorities are. And I think we do show what our real priorities are by the things that we choose to pray for. Um, it's, Jesus has just um, given the Lord's Prayer, and so he's told us, these are the things that you should pray for. Pray that God's name would be glorified, that his will would be done, um, that he would provide for our daily needs, forgive us, help us to forgive others. Um, if we're to pray today on Sunday for God's will to come, um, and we can get so pumped up and be excited, be like, God, would your will be done in Belfast? Would we see people transformed um, in our community? But now if we forget to pray that for the next 
seven days until we're back in church. Um, maybe it shows a little bit that our priority. We need complete renovation. And anyway, what we try to do is we try to pay past. If that's not a thing that we remember to ask for any other time than when we're here. I think that can be quite convicting. I remember once getting asked, like, uh, if all of your prayers got answered, what would change? And I think it, as I reflect on that, I'm like, man, would I actually see like a lot of change in the world around me? Or would I just see maybe my life is a little less stressful? Um, maybe I get a promotion at my job. New has come. All this is from God who through Christ. I think that's challenging to think about. I read this week uh, this quote from John Piper, who said, if you are sufficient for the task, it's too small. Um, you know, maybe as you think about like, oh man, what like, what could I pray for with this persistence? What like matters in my life that I can just like pray day in and day out? Maybe you're like, maybe you're not sure. We want lasting change. If we want to be made new, to have complete heart. I pray for every single day. Um, maybe God's just answering your prayers really fast. That's awesome. Praise the Lord. Um, but also maybe if there's nothing that you're like, I need to persist in prayer over this. If there's no task ahead of you um, that feels where you feel out of your depth, um, where you just know you need to pray for this thing to ever happen, if there's nothing you can come up with in your life um, where you're like, man, I am insufficient to do this and I need God in this situation, could I maybe challenge you to pray about that um, this week? Maybe God wants to push you a little bit out of your comfort zone. If we, we talk about you know, living, living life on mission quite a lot, um, and, I, and I love that about Village, because um, I think we're constantly spurred to think about this idea of like, what does it look like practically to live life on mission? God. Um, and it's exactly this, finding tasks that are too big for ourselves uh, to carry out and putting yourself in a position where you have no option but to rely on God. I think that's a beautiful aspect of living on mission. It's kind of terrifying, <laughs> um, but it's really, really sweet. So if there's no task in your life where you're like, this is too big, I need to just go to God in prayer persistently and boldly um, and shamelessly, would you just ask God to, uh, to give you something Maybe it's just he'll, he'll open our eyes to see the needs around us. Um, and he'll just give us more of his heart for the people around us. Um, but why don't we keep going on? That's, so, that's kind of the first, the first parable, is this guy going to his neighbor and knocking on the door. And so in light of... Um, talking about this idea of prayer, what's the context in which we're to come to prayer? We're to come to prayer um, persistently and boldly and shamelessly. 
Then we move into verses 9 and 10, where it says, Jesus continues, he says, I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, and to the one who knocks, it will be opened. This is a really beautiful promise. Um, And actually, I think I might come back to this part later. I actually want to just go right to the second little story that he gives us, um, and we'll, we'll come back to this promise. So let's keep reading verse 11. He gives us, Jesus gives us another picture um, to help us with this idea of prayer. He says, What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So this time we have this little picture, but Jesus flips um, the roles, the roles of who he's comparing us to flip this version. Instead of being um, the one who's asking, now he flips it, and we're actually in the position um, compared to the position of being the father. He says, which of you, like, a, uh, as a father, would do this? So he's putting us in this position to think of, man, if I was a father, how would I act? Um, and clearly, it sounds, I feel like the examples that he uses to us sound so ridiculous, like a fish and a scorpion and an egg and a, uh, what is it, a serpent. Um, maybe that's because we don't have snakes and scorpions here, um, but we do all eat fish and eggs, so like, it's quite reasonable that you could ask for a snack. Um, and we all realize like, like no loving father um, would ever do this where he sees the need of his child and just gives him something that totally harms his child rather than helps his child. Um, and again, he's kind of setting the bar low with the human standards. He's saying, this is you who are evil. He literally says, <laughs> you who are evil, you're, the bar is very low, um, but even you way down here know how to give a good gift to your kid. Um, and so then he does this contrast again. And brokenness. Repentance releases us to worship in our brokenness. Will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And what I think is really beautiful in this is um, this whole section on prayer. Jesus kind of, he starts and ends this, his teaching on prayer by um, connecting us to this picture of God as our Father. When they first asked, when the disciples first asked him, what should we pray? What he says, Jesus said, this is back in verse two, he says, Father, that's how you start your prayer. Father, hallowed be your name. And then when he closes his teaching, he brings them back to this idea of God as Father. He gives us a very clear picture where he's like, God is not an evil human father, but rather he is so much more loving and generous and kind and caring. And so this whole teaching on prayer, I think this is where we really see the context of it. It starts and ends with this picture of God as our father, um, who is loving and kind and good. And able. So that's our context in which we can pray boldly and um, 
persistently and shamelessly is because we have absolute security knowing that God is our good and loving father. And even this evil father, it still says, this evil father knows how to give good gifts. Um, So if the lowest bar, the lowest standard is good gifts, then when it says how much more is God going to give us good things, we can absolutely trust that his intentions are to give us what is good, um, what is even much more than good. I think we can have a lot of confidence that what God gives us is even much more than good. Um, I love this thing. I was talking with Travis earlier this week about this passage. I loved one thing he says where he's like, um, fathers know the difference between their child saying, we haven't eaten all day, when is supper? Um, Difference between that and a child running up and saying, give me candy. Um, And I think this this idea really helps remind us of... uh, how God seeks to provide for us. It's not always um, just the things that we maybe want, um, but a father who is good and loving knows what, are, what is actually good for their kid. Um, I was never allowed to eat like candy right before a meal. I'm sure many people probably weren't. Like, you can spoil your dinner by eating a whole bunch of sweets. Um, so God may, may not give us absolutely everything that we, our hearts would desire, um, but we know that he's going to give us the good things that we really need. And that's kind of what takes us back to this promise, which is in verses uh, 9 and 10. When he says, I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For every- the waves, the more exhausted you become. I was in the sea on, I think, Wednesday past. And- the one who knocks, it will be opened. I think these verses... Um, when I was going through, I was like, man, what exactly do I like say about these verses? Because on the one hand, I feel like I've heard them a lot, where they're quite a, f- it's a familiar passage. Um, but I'm like, how do I reconcile this promise that when I ask, it'll be given to me with like the reality that um, sometimes I pray for things and I don't see the answers uh, to prayer. And I think what's most important is that this verse too, these verses, God says, child, just stop. Passage that they're in. Um, they only get challenging, I think, when we just take, take them out and just read them individually. Um, and in light of the whole passage, we really have this idea that God, as our good father, um, he is inclined to give us good things. Um, he desires to give us great things. Um, and in, when we ask and we persist in that, um, God absolutely wants to uh, give us those good gifts. But both in light of um, the Lord's Prayer, where it says, give us uh, our daily bread. My one teacher used to always say, it says daily bread, not our daily steak. Um, uh, you know, this idea that God provides for our needs, but maybe not always uh, every single one of our wants. It's maybe not, uh, yeah, it over um, abundance. Often God does, I think, to do that um, just because he's good. Um, but anyways, 
I think that's the context in which we can read this beautiful I have sand again. middle, is that we do have absolute confidence that when we ask, God's going to respond. Um, and he, uh, as our Father, wants to give us uh, good things. But it doesn't mean that we have just a blank check. We don't just uh, have this uh, yeah, blank check to fill out for every little desire that we have. That's not the idea um, that is communicated. But I do think it's also really interesting that we're actually commanded to ask. Um, and so I was wondering why a little grace. We see this especially in John chapter 4. He meets this woman at the well. He says that God, this is actually in another passage talking about prayer. Um, and God says, uh, Jesus says that God knows all of our needs um, before we even ask him. Yeah, God knows, <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> All right, eh, maybe. Matthew 6, 8 says that God knows all of our needs before we even ask him. Um, so I don't think the purpose of asking is making God aware of our needs. Um, our prayers aren't just a grocery list uh, meant to inform God of all the things he needs to provide us. Um, but I think the act of asking is actually for our benefit much more than it is for God's benefit. He clearly knows all that we need. Um, but then in coming to ask God, um, it really does produce this We've sufficiency, or this dependence, I should say, on God's sufficiency. Um, that we do recognize all good things come from him. They aren't just coming um, from me or from my hard works. And so I think being commanded to actually ask God is really for our benefit, um, that we should rely on God in very practical ways. And then we have this, um, yeah, this beautiful promise that God will reply. He will give us good things. He will provide for all of our needs. But I think it's interesting, too, that, that, that going back down to verse 13, the very last verse, he says, How much more will the heaven repent again and again and realize that our sin has been paid for? It's not, I find it interesting that in this passage it says he's going to give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. Um, he doesn't just say he's going to give good things to those who ask him. And I wonder if there's almost this idea that Jesus is almost implying that as we align ourselves with God and as we ask for what our real needs are, that the Holy Spirit is the one who's actually going to meet those needs. Um, the Holy Spirit is kind of the answer. Maybe in Sunday school, like, Jesus was always the right answer. Um, maybe there's a hint of that where Jesus is like, um, if you're actually praying for the, the meaningful things that he's commanded us to in the Lord's Prayer, um, then the Holy Spirit is the one who's going to um, be a, the biggest answer to our prayer. So I think this gives us a really beautiful picture, hopefully, of just coming to God as our Father. Um, it's interesting 
because up to this point, um, you know, we see in Jesus' life that he referred to God as Father, which makes sense to us because he's like, well, God was his Father. Um, so that seems very reasonable. <laughs> um, but I think this is quite interesting in how now Jesus is drawing us in to the same relationship that he has with God the Father. Um, he's not saying that he has this special relationship um, that's unattainable, but he's actually saying, you all can come in to the family. You all get to refer to God as Father, and we get to trust his in, that his intentions are good. Um, and so that's the context in which we can pray. Knowing that God is our good Father, we can pray boldly and shamelessly and persistently, um, and that's going to be the breath and the life in our Christian lives um, in our relationship with him. And I think it's important to, to say too, rather than just like, I hope your takeaway isn't like, oh, I gotta go like pray more. Um, kind of like I said at the beginning, that you're not just gonna um, try harder. Um, but I came across this other quote that says, as Jesus uh, taught them about prayer, their prayers are not works, but acts of faith. They're not ritual, but reliance. And so, I hope we don't go away here just thinking, I need to work harder. Um, but rather, I hope that you catch the heart that God is our good Father who longs to provide for us. And so rather than adding on works, we're just, these are just acts of faith that we really truly believe God's going to provide for our needs. And we're not just doing something because it's the right thing to do. It's not a ritual, but it really is reliance on God. And so why do we have confidence that God is going to answer us besides the fact that he just says, if you ask, I will answer you? Um, I guess this is uh, my last thought. In Romans 8.32, it says, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? So why can we have confidence that our father loves us that he's good and that he does want to give us good things because he's really already done it um that's what the gospel is isn't it is that he did not spare his own son in seeking us he sent his own son and gave him up for us so will he not graciously now give us all things um it's beautiful that's what the, the heart of the gospel is i hope that's what gives us confidence to date to go and grow in our reliance on God is that we know that he's already graciously given us all things when he sent Jesus. He hasn't been sparing anything. Um, he's willing to give us all that he can. Um, and that lets us know that his heart truly is good. Um, he truly does love us. And he, um, yeah, he really wants to give us all good things.